This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. People with disabilities are being abused in a state-run facility. Lawmakers want answers from the state health department. The HHR is not being transparent with them about you know, what's occurring in these facilities, as the Senate president said in his, his letter. That story and more coming up on this West Virginia Morning. The state's Consumer Advocate Division says ratepayers should not have to bear the cost of Appalachian Power's failure to obtain enough coal last year. Curtis Tate has more. The office has concluded that Appalachian Power, quote, painted itself into a corner. It says the company failed to maintain an adequate supply of coal to run its plants this year and last year instead of purchasing more expensive power from the regional market. It says ratepayers should not have to pay the price for those mistakes. In April, Appalachian Power asked the Public Service Commission for approval to recover $297 million from ratepayers. The PSC held four public comment hearings and a two-day evidentiary hearing in Charleston last month. An outside consultant is currently reviewing whether those costs were prudently incurred. Should the PSC approve Appalachian Power's request, average residential customers would see an $18 increase in their monthly bills. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Appalachian Power is an underwriter of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. What do two of West Virginia's political experts see as deciding factors in next week's midterms? Randy Yoey has the answers. John Kilwine is the chair of the political science department at West Virginia University. Mary Beth Beller has more than two decades with Marshall University's School of Political Science. Beller notes that two Senate and 22 House of Delegate seats are uncontested by Democrats. She says the disparity is disconcerting. Because I think it's bad for democracy not to have any opposition whatsoever. It's always good for us to have challenges. Um, un- unchecked power is not healthy in a democracy. Kilwine says it would be a complete earthquake if anything changed in terms of the grip that the Republicans have on the state legislature. He says there's despondency in the Democratic Party right now. Even if you go to their websites, it was clear to me that the Republicans just have it together right now. Most every Republican uh, link worked, whereas Democratic links, some counties they didn't have somebody, you couldn't contact somebody. Both agree that nationally the thought has somewhat evaporated that a change in abortion rights would drive more women to the polls. Beller says a previous state abortion amendment that narrowly passed may set a women's voting precedent. There are a lot of angry women out there and many angry men. So I think we should, could still see that being a big issue. Kilwine says with the expected dominance of incumbent Republican U.S. Representatives Carol Miller and Alex Mooney, state abortion law won't have much of an impact. Is it going to be that much of a, of, of a factor that it would help, uh, you know, Wendell beat Mooney? I just don't think it, it, that was just going to be asking too much. Both agree the amendments, especially two and four, will drive voters to the polls. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie. Mercer County leaders have repurposed 23 acres of woodland once used for forestry research into a recreational area. And its two miles of trails offer more than hiking. They also have a lot of history and learning opportunities. Jessica Lilly takes us there in this report. 
The trailhead of the Gardner Center's network of hiking trails is located less than a mile off of Interstate 77 at Exit 14. The property was once used as a forestry sciences laboratory. And the foresters just like to get out in the woods. Mercer County Commissioner Bill Archer says that historically, the federal government created a good foundation for public recreation here today. Since it was a federal government entity, you know, they spared no expense as far as rock lining all the trails out through there that are open. To prepare the site for the public, though, the county worked to clear debris, modernize some of the signs found along the trail identifying some of the trees, and soften the rock lined paths. We had a lot of excess uh, wood, and uh, we uh, leased a uh, wood chipper for a period of time, and we ground it all into to wood chips. And my late wife uh, uh, recommended that we put that on the tra trails, but if we had them, we might just as well use them to make a nice soft surface for people to walk on, and it's also very safe. The site also has a building once used by the U.S. Forest Service. It's the only building in the country dedicated to honor John F. Kennedy before he was assassinated. Just behind it, forestry conservationist Jeff Palmer checks the map on his phone as we approach a patch in the forest. So, of course, so which way are we headed? Well, we're going to go, this right here is the Gartner, or the uh, Poor Farm Cemetery Trail. So you said Poor Farm Cemetery Trail. Do you know how it got its name? I think a uh, probably around 1911, the county acquired this property and it became what was called the Mercer County Poor Farm. Hmm. People who could not support themselves for one reason or another, they ended up here. And what happened was when people would pass away, they were buried in this cemetery up here, which is now called the Poor Farm Cemetery. Along the right side of the trail, as we get started, is a set of horseshoe pits, once overgrown, now restored for additional recreational use that I just couldn't resist. All right, well, let's go get a ringer. The pits around the old iron pegs were made from excess wood while clearing the trails. Here in southern West Virginia, that's, that seems like the route uh, people want to go. Recreation is a big thing now, mm -hmm. and so... Any opportunity that we can offer to anybody, you know, we try to take advantage of that opportunity. Come on, let's see you get a ringer. Come on. <laughs> no pressure, huh? Along the hike are rectangle signs strategically perched in front of trees and elements of the forest. This right here is one of my favorite trees. That's the black gum. And the way I can tell that's black gum is by the bark. The, uh, those chunks of bark are so they protrude out so far. At one time, the forest was used to highlight the timber and types of woods that would be used for furniture after World War II. A lot of history here, and we're working to preserve that history. So when we have hikers coming up here, we encourage them to go onto our website, and as they hike, they can just look at the history of this whole place. You know. The interactive map and other details are available at GardnerCenter.org. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Jessica Lilly in Mercer County. The Mercer County Commission is working to connect another section of the hike that should be open by spring 2023. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 751.
areas of dense fog this morning, becoming mostly sunny today. High temperatures in the 60s and low 70s. Mostly clear tonight, lows in the 40s and low 50s. Partly sunny tomorrow with highs in the 70s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Torres Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TorresSaveAlaw.com. People with disabilities are being abused in state-run facilities, and lawmakers want answers from the state health department. Amelia Nicely reports. Reports of people with disabilities being strangled, being forced to use the bathroom outside, and dying from inappropriate nutrition got the attention of West Virginia lawmakers recently. Even worse, there were efforts to cover it up. These people with disabilities were, by state law, under the care of the West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources. Top lawmakers and an attorney with Disability Rights West Virginia say there is probable cause to believe DHHR is aware of patient mistreatment and abuse, along with staffing issues at a state-run psychiatric facility. Senate President Craig Blair sent a letter in October to Governor Jim Justice outlining abuse suffered by adults and children with disabilities who are under DHHR's protection. The letter included these examples of what lawmakers said was abuse under DHHR's watch. In 2020, a woman from Cabell County with a disability died after being fed an improper diet, then staff attempted to cover up the role in the death. And last year, a group home for people with disabilities had broken plumbing, and staff forced them to use the bathroom in the backyard for months. Jeremiah Samples is a senior advisor to the Joint Committee on Government and Finance. Samples used to be second in command over DHHR until earlier this year, and he worked with Blair on the letter. DHHR is not being transparent with them about you know, what's occurring in these facilities. As the Senate president said in his, his letter, um, you know, this rises to the importance of an independent investigation to find out what's going on here and why do these issues where disabled West Virginians are, are disabled West Virginians are abused, why do these issues continue to come up? year after year. Lawmakers who signed the letter with Blair called on justice to launch the investigation. He has not responded to their letter and his administration did not return our request for an interview. DHHR did not provide an interview for this story, but in an email, DHHR spokeswoman Allison Adler said there were significant inaccuracies and errors in the information, but did not respond to the letter's content. Disability Rights West Virginia told lawmakers about the ongoing mistreatment of persons with disabilities who are under the state's care. Under federal law, Disability Rights WV monitors the state's facilities and schools. Mike Folio, legal director for the organization, said the lack of transparency at DHHR has been been an ongoing issue. Since I started here at DRWV, I learned that um, DRWV has sent letters to Secretary Crouch and his general counsel, April Robertson, back in 2020 and to date have not received a response. There is a pattern of unresponsiveness, non-responsiveness <clears throat> by DHHR. Adler refuted this claim. 
Folio said a DHHR employee contacted them confidentially and said they were instructed to not provide information to the organization. That's against the law. Adler acknowledged the statement happened, and she said its purpose was not to withhold information, but to ensure that communication was accurate before being sent to DRWV. Disability Rights WV is currently investigating the state's oversight of William R. Sharp Hospital, a psychiatric facility in Weston run by DHHR. The facility has a troubled past, and last year a health service worker at the hospital was charged with strangling a patient. Four more workers were fired over allegations that they participated in patient abuse or watched it happen. DHHR recorded the abuse in its own inspection. Folio sent a letter in October to Sharp Hospital CEO that said an overload of patients there created an unsafe environment. This led to patient abuse and neglect, which violates federal laws that protect individuals with mental illness. We have received uh, information from, um, I'll call them informants at Sharp, where patients have been abused that there has been retaliation um, taken by certain members of SHARP leadership toward patients. Um, And these have all occurred after August. We are continuing to investigate. I asked DHHR in an email if patients were being abused or mistreated at SHARP Hospital. Adler replied in part that federal and state regulations require that all hospitals ensure patients the right to receive care in a safe setting and the right to be free from all forms of abuse or harassment. Sharp Hospital CEO Patrick Ryan did not return our request for an interview. In July, lawmakers focused on Sharp Hospital during a meeting of the Legislative Oversight Committee on Health and Human Resources Accountability. They asked why DHHR and Sharp leaders were failing to comply with state laws regarding patient treatment and documentation. DHHR Cabinet Secretary Bill Crouch was asked how involved he's been at the hospital. Here's his response. We have um, bi-weekly meetings where we talk with all of the hospital administrators in terms of uh, their functioning, but uh, I'm involved with regard to uh, the, the activities of SHARP and what happens at SHARP. Folio stressed there are staff members at SHARP and at DHHR raising the alarm and saying that they're concerned about a lack of training and accountability. We've had a couple individuals who I'll call our informants are fearful of retaliation, that if they report issues that need to be addressed because it's in the best interest of the patient, they're fearful that they're going to be retaliated against by leadership. That's not how this system is supposed to work. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Amelia Nicely in Charleston. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Amelia Nicely, Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Eric Douglas, Jessica Lilly, Liz McCormick, Randy Yowie, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.